Hello, space nerds. Welcome to Raktagino and Root Beer, a Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm Matthew. And I'm Michael. On this podcast, we are reviewing every Deep Space Nine episode from the pilot to the finale. It'll be so exciting, it's going to give you umox. Pull up a chair and join in the discussion over some Raktagino and Root Beer. If you would like to contact us, set hailing frequencies to rrds9podcast at gmail.com. Today on the show, we are going to review season... Seven, episodes nine and ten, Covenant, and It's Only a Paper Moon. Michael, why don't you start us off with a plot synopsis of Covenant. So, uh, uh, Kira's um, distant religious teacher, uh, distant? I don't know, distant yeah. in time, uh, Vedic Fala pays a visit, and uh, so he's basically her Sunday school teacher, I guess, from long ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, asks how she's doing, gives her a fancy little crystal, and boom! She is transported to Empok Nor, where mm-hmm. the cult of the Power Wraith is flourishing, and their leader is dun, dun, uh, dun. Dukat. Yeah. Dukat is there. Um, he's he's a cult leader now. They all have really nifty red earrings on the opposite side of the the paw ring here, uh, and they're wearing really nice cult clothes, um, which I'll get into later. Yeah. And basically. Kira is is trying to convince everybody else there that he's nuts, that that this is not a good thing. It's very cultish in that the leader gets to um, decide who and when has a you know who has a child and when, and he actually impregnates one of <laughs> one of his followers. Yeah. Uh, but he spins it that it's some crazy miracle that the Pares um, had this yeah. baby look Cardassian. Um, yeah. And uh, and finally, um, he prays for guidance because he's basically going to get found out. And then does does the old Kool Aid trick where uh, he decides, you yeah. know, that they're going to catch Hale, uh, <laughs> Haley's comet as they're hail bop hail bop. They're going to hail bop themselves, and everybody has to take these uh, these obsidian order suicide pills and yeah. and um, and uh, leave their mortal coils. Uh, except for him, because he's got a fake one, and he needs to live on. Uh, so Kira gets in the way, rescues everyone, but her uh, spiritual teacher, Vedic Fala, for him it's too late. He says the word faith and then commits suicide. Mm-hmm. There is a B-plot, but it's totally meaningless. It's it's basically just, where's Kira? How do we find her? Oh, yeah. I, it's, I was not, like... it's, it, it's not even like, I think it's, it's not even a, a plot. It's more like one or two scenes. Yeah. Uh, the end. So what did you think of this episode? Uh, I actually really, I, I actually liked a lot of, a lot of this episode, I have to say. <laughs> despite how absurd it is. Yeah. Like, seeing Gul Dukat as a cult leader, I think he's great. And, uh, and this absurd need to be loved and... Yeah. Uh, and he truly believes, I, 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 once again, he was possessed by uh, a paw wraith. And he truly yeah. believes in this stuff. Uh, so I thought it was an interesting spin on the character. A lot of the surrounding stuff in it where uh, it, it kind of beggars belief that, that these people have set up a whole community on, on Empak Noor. Nobody's noticed that, uh, yeah. that they're getting food and everything delivered to them, presumably, medical supplies. Um, that he's managed to, to organize these people despite him being like Hitler <laughs> to, yeah. to their people. I mean, who like who would actually believe that this guy is is the voice of reason? If you're Bejoran, 
and then you've got weird scenes like the the husband painting that really creepy religious yeah really painting. terrible yeah. like neo-realist painting and they also never really explain why Kira's there other no. than other than Ducat said, you know, um, if I can convince her, I can convince anyone, and that's why she's here. It didn't really make any sense, no. so it felt very contrived. Um, yeah, I think that was my biggest issue with this episode, was the feeling of contrivance. The fact mm -hmm. that Kira was there, and she was stuck there, and it wasn't like... I think it would be more. It would have been more interesting if there had been a person that she'd known that had joined the cult, mm -hmm. and that she was trying to convince them to leave or whatever. That would have been probably more interesting. But this whole like her being trapped there—it's very tiring when this, when someone is just kidnapped and trapped somewhere, and then just so that you can have them involved in a plot, mm -hmm. you know, like no, you're really—it's really lazy. I, I I like I like the basic idea of it that that yeah, that, that makes sense to me that that Ducat is now a Paris true believer and even a cult leader. But how they how they make this leap and then get Kira there onto Empire yeah. Noir is is a bit taking it a bit too far. I also think that it's a little, um, I, the people in the cult were a little not fervent enough, you know? I mm. feel like they should have been more, like, like actual believers. Like, that scary look that people who are very, like, strong in their beliefs get in their eyes. Yeah. You know? And that kind of, that weird way of talking that they have. And, mm -hmm. you know, like, it just seemed seemed too casual everything you know yeah and i felt like they were trying to play the faith card like they were trying to be a little bit too like even-handed and like mm. oh this is just a group of people who are having a nice time with hitler yeah you know and then i mean the the, the question the the question that drove them to uh the pares beliefs is like it's basically like why do bad things happen to good people yeah why did the prophets let the occupation happen and and because they did um, they're not actually acting in, in Bajor's interest. So this, I, I actually like the idea that the, that they were sold on the idea that the Pares were kicked out of heaven because they wanted to take an active role in Bajor society yeah. and improve things. I mean, that's kind of a compelling argument, I suppose. But it's very much like Paradise Lost, you know? I, I agree. I think I think that a kernel of the idea is interesting. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of, of Ducat as a religious leader, but it felt it felt too... Hmm. You know, casual. Apparently, they were somewhat inspired by the Heaven's Gate cult, as you mentioned, the Hale Bop um, thing. And, and you know, the Heaven's Gate people were not just, like, they were not reasonable people, right? Yeah. Like, they were wacky. They, yeah. They... They killed themselves wearing brand new Nike shoes and, like, purple robes and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, they looked weird. They didn't just look like regular people. And I feel like that element of it was just lost. Mm. And that's what, that's kind of the exciting thing about cults is, uh, well, at least for me. Wow. I, I'm, I like, I like reading about cults and I think they're very interesting. Mm -hmm. But it's the, um, the cognitive dissonance, dissonance that happens when people are willing to believe all sorts of bizarre things. And no matter how much you present evidence to show that these are bizarre things, you can tell that they don't care, right? Mm -hmm. But it, it, it was trying too hard to make it all normal, and I think that was the problem. What me. What did you think of the scene where it's revealed that the child is actually Ducat's? I mean, I think that was, I think it was, I think it was fine to have it as Ducat's, and it was kind of interesting how Ducat was spinning it. But um, I think that the 
I think that both members of the couple would have reacted a little bit differently. You know, mm. I think they would have been more. <laughs> I think they would have been more, you know, visibly like talking about their faith or what. I don't know. It was. Once again, it seemed like a couple of normal people who kind of believe in this stuff, but don't really. Mm -hmm. How about you? I thought it was a really shocking scene. And, yeah. like, and I kind of liked it for the twist. And I did like how the, the mother give, does give that kind of uncertain look. Where yeah. she knows what's really going on and the husband's a total idiot. <laughs> like he's just been so wrapped up in, yeah. in his faith that he can't see... see uh, What's in front of his face? Apparently, when they first did this uh, scene, uh, because there's lots of rules about having babies wear prosthetics and like so on and so forth, and like filming babies and so on and so forth, uh, they were they were going to use um, an animatronic baby for that scene. Wow! And they actually got the people who made uh, Chucky to <laughs> an animatronic <laughs> the, baby. The, the kill like the slasher. The franchise? slasher, yeah. Wow! Uh, the Bride of Chucky and all that stuff, and. Uh, <laughs> they had like a Cardassian uh, Chucky doll and apparently uh, Mark Alamo uh, Gildicott's lifting it up at one point and it was all like going near near and everyone on set just started laughing like they couldn't they couldn't handle how ridiculous it looked so they're like yeah we can't do this good choice yeah so they uh, they, they they switched up and it yeah it, it was obviously a good choice um, what, what I'm curious what you think I mean, you, you touched on this, that you wish you'd seen some white Nikes, some black jeans, and uh, purple robes or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what did you think of the Paul Wraith uh, clothing? And and specifically, Gold Ducat's look. Um, I actually don't even really remember it. What was he wearing? He had this, like, hand-sewn uh, kind of sweater thing oh, that he's wearing. I wasn't that in impressed by it. I thought it, was, I thought it was a good look for him, I gotta yeah. say. And, and I did appreciate the red earring. Yeah. Which he ripped off, and there was, there I know. was blood at the end. That was a, that was intense, but uh, yeah, I liked it, and it it had a very kind of their design. Their uh, the cult's aesthetic was very minimal. Yeah, the, the little podium that he was praying in front of, and 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 it had that kind of red star or red. I'm not sure what the red is supposed to be, to be honest. Yeah, well, I guess it's the that's the color of the Paul wraiths. Mm. I you know, if you're gonna have a faith, and it's gonna be about the Paul wraiths. Let's go wacky, right? Let's not be. <laughs> let's not try to be classy. Mm -hmm. Let's not be minimalist. Let us be insane, All right. right? That's what I would have done if I had. If I, if I'm gonna do a show about a cult, but but see, it's gonna be for me. Purple robes and Nikes all the way. For me, the. <laughs> for me, like the, the, the Bajoran faith is all is all. Uh, like hippy dippy new age uh, flute music and whatever. I know. So you kind of want the Paul Wraith cult to be very kind of chic, minimal, <laughs> sharp lines, you know? Mid century modern. <laughs> Mid century modern. Which yeah. is which is which is what I got and I appreciated it. No, no. They as I said, they were basing it off of Heaven's Gate. We need to remember that this is a cult that believed that uh, the um that the Hale-Bopp comet had a UFO trailing behind it, mm -hmm. and that if they uh, drank phenobarbital along mm -hmm. with shots of vodka, they would be transported to that UFO. Right. And they wore on their arms armbands that said, away team. Oh, is that 
And it was a reference to Star Trek. That's messed up. And Michelle Nichols' brother died in in the Heaven's Gate cult. I did not know that. So... They were wacky science fiction nerds. Is, is, is that why they wrote, wore those red armbands? I don't know why the if that was why they did it in the show. Wow, that's messed up. But it's like... I mean, or you read about Jonestown or anything like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it is... There's a level of intensity that happens in cults that's very attractive and also very terrifying. And, you know, I just didn't get it. Like, And also at the end, you know... Um, Kira disrupts the the suicide ceremony, mm-hmm. and uh, Galdukat has revealed that he doesn't he doesn't want to actually poison himself, and everyone is suddenly like, "Oh my god, this was a, a scam!" Yeah, that would not happen, right? People who are so steeped in their beliefs mm. will will manage to find a way to integrate any new information into it, and they will. There'll be some people will be like, this is too much, but it won't be such a collective thing, right? Yeah. And like, like, the, like at one point, the father, uh, the painter guy goes, wait, this is his baby. Like, it's like, it's like <laughs> I, a spell. I was, a, I was actually worried he was going to throw the baby away at that point. <laughs> I just thought, oh my gosh, it was somebody, so, somebody protect that child. It was so silly. Yeah. Like, it was like, it was like, um, yeah, it was like a spell was broken, but mm-hmm. that's not the way it works in real life, right? Mm-hmm. People, like, we know this from... Uh, the orange Cheeto, you know, like he says all sorts of crazy things mm-hmm. and people, no matter what he says, people find a way to integrate it into their belief system that he is still amazing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's no, oh, that one thing is going to end it. No, yeah. that's, that's a, that's a fallacy that the the left often believes about, um, about Trump. Yeah. And, uh, and it's the same with a, a religious leader like Dukat. Mm-hmm. Even if he said, even if he didn't kill himself, they would still be like, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I felt they just didn't handle the cult in the way that I want a cult to be handled. In the exciting way. I liked, uh, I have to say, there's one uh, zinger that I liked uh, from Kira, where, she, where the guy's <laughs> painting the painting, and she goes, oh. <laughs> maybe you should make one of them half Cardassian. <laughs> I like that I felt one like too. there's a little bit of a twist of the knife there. Yeah, and like, Vidic Fala's showing her around saying, please be nice to everyone. Like, what? Like, why are they even going around? Like, what? Yeah. why is she there? Oh anyway. my gosh, that was good. That was yeah. a terrible painting, too. Yeah, and uh, uh, we also have to mention the brief conversation at the beginning where Odo is like, maybe I should become a Bajoran religious person so I can go to services with Kira. It's like, yeah. barf. <laughs> like, what person in a relationship says that? I... Yeah, I... Again, uh, our feelings on, on that relationship are very well known, yeah. but hopefully they will they will break up. Isn't that terrible? Let's I mean, I, I, I should wish them happiness. No, let's let's hope they break up. Um, oh, the other only other thing I want to mention is that they do have their services in in the equivalent of quarks, which is <laughs> hilarious. I mean, oh yeah, <laughs> like no one mentions that. It's like just you're having your services in a bar. I so I want to know like, like presumably there's a lot of uh, literature on Bajor about the paw race, but but if you're creating a cult out of it. I'm assuming you're just sort of making up stuff on the fly. So they have that little metallic 
triangle that they clang like somebody yeah. thought that that was the way to do it to call everybody to service you know yeah i always find that funny the sound is like a little bit more creepier than the sound the uh yeah. the prophet religion uses. sorry guys that that bell tone is way too welcoming we got to make it more uh, haunting <laughs> <laughs> Um, any other things that you want to no. talk about? This? <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's move on to episode 10. It's only a paper moon, so take it away. Okay, so in this episode, uh, Nog returns from... He'd been recuperating on a star base after his injury where he lost a leg. He has a biosynthetic leg, so basically an artificial leg. And uh, this is the 24th century, so apparently this leg does work perfectly, but Nog arrives and he's limping and using a cane. And people talk to him about it, but he says he needs it. He feels a lot of pain in his leg. Uh, people are also trying to be very supportive of him, but he kind of rejects all their support, and he just spends all of his time sleeping in his room and listening to this song, this Vic Fontaine song that had been... You uh, pointed out, uh, I think it was last time, mm -hmm. that uh, was quite annoyingly played during a battle. I'll be seeing you. Yeah. Yeah. And, but for... Uh, Nog, it has taken on a, a larger meaning because he heard it when he was being injured, so he's been listening to it repeatedly, driving poor Jake mad because they share a room together. So Jake gets so mad, he says, if you're going to listen to that, you have to listen to it in the hall suite. So that's what he does. Nog does start listening to it in the hall suite, and he it makes him feel so good that he decides to live in the hall suite. <laughs> yeah. And he moves in. And he moves in with Vic Fontaine. Mm -hmm. Basically, they become a pair of uh, swinging bachelors in the 1960s. And so the rest of the episode is the rest of the crew trying to basically get Nog out of the hall suite. Um, but Nog also trying to get through his, like, his issues. And, and then at the end of the episode... Nog has kind of a breakdown and a realization, and he's able to go back to mm. um, the his work. Mm -hmm. And what did you think of this episode? I actually really liked this episode. You did? Yes. I did. You really? I was this like very shocked by my the fact that I liked what? this episode. Yeah, I really did. I thought this was a great episode. Um, um, I may have to disagree with you on on certain things on, on this one. Um, I I hate Vic Fontaine. I, he drives me crazy, uh, but I feel like this episode dealt with PTSD in a, in a kind of realistic way, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and it was very emotionally affecting. You know, like I felt the scene with Nog at the end where he starts crying is very emotionally affecting mm -hmm. and, and very real, and it's. It was like weird. You're like, it's like me. I was watching it. I was like, I feel very sad right now. And I'm watching this. And it's because there's this weird little Ferengi <laughs> crying. And I'm like, this is weird. Hmm. But I actually really, uh, really enjoyed it. And yeah, Vic Fontaine's kind of more irritating aspects I was okay with in this episode. And yeah, I actually really like this. Wow. I, <laughs> I just think like... I think that to, to do an episode like this uh, based on PTSD, you really have to be careful with tone. And I found that they played up a lot of laughs and things that really threw me off. They had a montage scene. In they did this have episode. a montage scene. A montage scene. That yeah. drove me insane. The montage scene was ridiculous. I agree. Um, for me, the most interesting stuff in this wasn't him overcoming his PTSD. It was It was the philosophical... 
um, arguments on, on Vic Fontaine operating 26 hours, 26 Bajoran hours a day. Yeah. You know, uh, does he dream? He's programmed to worry about uh, his taxes. income taxes, apparently. I mean, these are all amazing questions. I want to know what he does. Like, he's... And he's... Personally, he seems excited that he can... That he can... He's been op in operation for so long, thanks to Nog, that he can sleep, read the newspaper. Uh, he can apparently travel to other places, you know? Yeah. Uh, like, it's incredible. And he has the power to shut himself off and not turn back on. Yeah. Those are my favorite parts of the episode. And the guy who plays Vic Fontaine, this was, to me, this was Vic Fontaine at his most likable. Yeah. Like, I, really, I really liked all that stuff. Um, it was the other stuff about the PTSD. For me, I just, I don't know. It just, it didn't, it didn't work. Like, I get the idea that, that he's frightened of reality, that, that he realizes yeah. that he's actually mortal, that horrible things can happen in real life. Yeah. And the, and so the basic idea that he escapes into this fantasy world or, uh, to, to recover, I think that's, that's an interesting idea. I, I think it's good, you know? I just didn't like some of the weird choices in this episode where they were kind of playing it up for laughs and then I I don't know. It was a it had some strange moments. Like there's a scene even where Rom where Rom he says, My son is insane. He's like a one like a crazy man. He's he says it like he says it like he's on a Seinfeld episode or something. You yeah, know? I, I was fine with like that. He's like George Costanza all of a sudden. But. Yeah, you know what? Because it let, let remember the the problem we had with the siege of AR whatever five ninety was that it was so relentlessly dreary, right? And um, I found that the way everyone was reacting was a very normal way. Mm. Like people were awkward, people were unable to deal with him properly, and yeah. so they weren't always saying the right things. Yeah. And, um, I found that a very realistic thing, you know? Like, at the beginning, everyone is saying the wrong thing to mm -hmm. him. Oh, yeah. You know? It's and, true. Vic Fontaine's the first one who says, I believe you. Yeah. You know? I mean, Esri kind of did, too, but he kind of dismissed her. It was... Mm -hmm. It's like this... He can... The song gives uh, Nog a way into trusting um, yeah. Vic Fontaine. And I thought that, you know, once again, I kind of hate this overuse of this 50s... 60s kind of male sentimentality but mm -hmm. um i thought it was authentic you know it it you know th for people who are feeling so trapped by life they do have special connections to some people they feel not threatened by mm -hmm. and and i felt that was really accurate and there were like sometimes where i wish it was a little bit different like Vic Fontaine's kind of mean when he abruptly ends the program, right? He, like, it's like a... Yeah. It's like a cold splash of water in the face. It but worked, though. It worked. <laughs> and, um, and so that was a little weird. But overall, I thought it was really good. And I, I liked... There was a, some good scenes with Esri, too, where she was actually acting like a counselor. Mm -hmm. And actually acting like someone who knows how to, how to do her, her job. Yeah. Like, the point where she goes to... Um, uh, Vic Montaigne and she's like well I'm glad this is just uh, this is just to help him and it's not something that you're going to continue doing mm -hmm. right? and she's like doing some reverse psychology I know it's like really basic reverse psychology but she understood who she needed to impact she yes. knew that she couldn't yeah, talk yeah. to Nog about it yeah. and uh, and that was good I felt like 
there were so many emotional decisions in this episode that I totally agree mm. with. Um, like when Nog, um, uh, like when Vic Fontaine is first complaining about his taxes and you can tell it's like, oh, he's trying to get Nog to help him with his taxes. And Nog is just going, oh, just reprogram the computer. Just And he's mm. giving these simple ways to fix the problem that don't involve him, like, trying to come out of his shell. Yeah. It, yeah, and, like, the whole sleeping for 18 hours. Like, yeah, it's all no, like, very that, authentic. That seemed, that seemed realistic, yeah. Like, and um, I just... And... You know, in the in the end, you know, where he's talking about, um, it's a very simplest, it's a very simple idea, but the idea of, you know, when you're young, he said, I'm not happy, but I was eager. And I thought mm. that was a great distinction too. And he said, um, I, I just thought that all of this could happen to other people, but not me. And it, and it's a stupid thing to say, but it is a real thing that you feel when you're a young person. Yeah. That tragedy happens to other people. And mm. it, yeah, it just all authentically emotionally resonated with me. And even though it was a stupid Vic Fontaine episode, I was like, <laughs> I, I did, am crying at the end of this. I did find it interesting um, that he's, he, this sort of fantasy has been shattered for, for Nog because he has been been injured and then he retreats into fantasy and there's a wonderful scene where he's watching the movie shane right yeah a famous western and shane's shot in a gunfight at the end and he's hit in the arm and he's watching it and he can't understand why he's he's just on a horse you know in the yeah. next scene riding off like nothing happened and vic fontaine says well it's, it's just a movie right yeah and it's like it's a it's a vic fontaine himself is is a creation he's a fantasy yeah telling him that this other fantasy is just a fantasy. It's it's got these weird levels to it. Occasionally in this episode, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, and also you know what I mean. It is once again, it's a very human centric thing to do, but um, and very twentieth century, twenty first century thing to do. But you know, um, you know, when I was going through some tough times recently, watching mm -hmm. old movies is a very reassuring thing. Yeah, and just because uh, because they're kind of artificial and they're and even though they yeah. deal with sadness and things like that it's all contained within a very specific world yeah like what what I'm trying to say is the episode you're watching science fiction right yeah it's very meta and and and, and that I mean we're watching it to uh, partly a, a, as an, an escape, escape and yeah. partly as a reflection uh, of reality yeah I, I don't think they're they're you know mutually incompatible for science fiction um and that that's why we keep watching star trek you know yeah yeah so i i i, I just feel that there were a lot of emotional cues that were really well chosen and the dialogue was generally uh very fairly strong particularly um nog stuff was like mm. what he said was very real and appropriate and even like the way he freaked out at the nightclub at Jake and his girlfriend and mm -hmm. the poor girlfriend is trying to, she's like, she doesn't know this person and she's trying to say the right thing and she's just saying the wrong thing because she just doesn't know. And then he's getting way too angry at her mm -hmm. and you know, and then, um, it, it, you, you can all see it so easily happening and happening to people in real life. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, um, the other thing I want to mention is I was reading the notes for this episode, and some people actually wrote to uh, Nog, 
who were suffering from PTSD, former soldiers, to say that this this episode actually really affected mm. them. Wow, now I feel bad for not liking this episode. <laughs> Thanks a lot. But I mean, no, I mean, there are probably some other people mm. who went through PTSD who were like, no, this doesn't explain my uh, mm. experience mm. at all, right? So there's probably some people who feel exactly yeah, the way you do. But that's like the highest compliment for this episode. Somebody actually who has PTSD writes, writes in to a character saying, you know, thank you for this. That's great. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, as I said, Michael, like your... Your reaction is not... I found, like, because for me, I found a lot of this corny. Yeah. A lot so, of, especially and... the montage drove me nuts. Oh, the montage was ridiculous, And right? the this, this song they're playing, It Wouldn't Be Make Believe If You Believed In Me, it was just too on the nose, you know? It was kind yeah. of cheesy, I have to say. But there you go. Cheesy like the song. Um, I still... And I blame Bashir for all this. If he hadn't played that stupid song <laughs> during their Hamburger Hill episode, uh, you know, Nog wouldn't have been uh, haunted by this. <laughs> None of this would have happened. Their Hamburger Hill episode. Um, uh, I liked... I did like that they were watching Shane and they're like... Um, Nog says, I like The Searchers better. Searchers is a really good it movie. It is a good movie. Yeah. yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, otherwise I don't have really have any notes for it because I I was just enjoying it. I thought it was a good a good episode, um, and I am surprised to be able to say that about a Vic Montaigne episode. <laughs> I'm sorry. not as surprised as me. Well, I should we wrap it up then? I don't I don't. This is shocking to me. But oh, I do want to talk about the Errol Flynn cane. Oh yeah, that weird. I actually with the it's like a lion's head or something. I, at first, it's a I lighter. couldn't figure out what it was. It looked like a blob. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a lion. I think it was a lion. Yeah. I did a really like fifteen second Google search for Errol Flynn's cane to see, and I I saw him with a cane. It did not look like this one. Yeah, I, I was just curious if that was actually a replica. Yeah, I can imagine that's something that Errol Flynn would have, but because yeah. uh, he was insane. But but there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was... <laughs> any other things you want to mention? I can't, I can't think of anything. I'm going through my notes, I'm just... Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I do um... appreciate when... I do appreciate the the hologram shaming, holoprogram shaming of Bashir. Yeah. And then... Everyone is going on about how he's t he owes yeah. these terrible programs. Yeah, and then, and then the Vikings, which we haven't even seen, and he's yeah. like, hey... Hey. You know, but it was about, I mean, the, this episode, you know, is about the, how fantasy, fantasy can be healing. So I I will defend you, Bashir, in your dumb spy hollow program. Yeah, and as you said, it's, it's a somewhat of a commentary on Deep Space Nine in, in science fiction in general, that science fiction can give us a place in some ways to relax or uh, a freedom from the world so that when we come back to the world we can do it in a rejuvenated way yes you know you didn't even like the ending where um he comes out and uh Lita there's a group hug Lita says are you okay and he says no i'm not but i will be and i think that was that was a good line too mm. i i i agree with you on the point that a lot of, as you said, the a lot of emotional decisions and the lot of, a lot of the lines of, of dialogue, not including my son's a crazy man, were <laughs> were very good, and they did nail that last line. Yeah, I will and, concede that point. And I thought it was really sweet, you know, like Lita wants to be there for her um, her stepson. Who's she's probably... wonderful. I want to see more episodes just just about her. Yeah. I I really like that character. I like Lita yeah. a lot too. She's so sweet and. Uh, 
And and once again, it's like a relationship that makes sense, Lita with Rom. Like you can totally see this this um uh super hot lady with a heart of gold with mm. this guy who is not attractive in any way whatsoever, but is such a sweetheart, you know? Mm. And they are a good match for one another. Mm. Just Kieran Odo. <laughs> Kieran Odo, break up. Break up here at Kieran Odo. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, one thing I want, last thing I want to mention is when they're at the, when Jake and um, his girlfriend, the Bajoran girl, and Anag are at the table, and she wants to order, I guess, some sort of Bajoran drink, some sunshine or something yeah. like that. And then uh, they're like, What are you drinking? And he's like, I'm drinking a martini. And then uh, she goes, I'll have that. And I'm like, girl, are you ready for a martini? <laughs> <laughs> I won't knock you over. Because I love, I love martinis, yeah. but they are not drinks for someone who's like into like a, I don't know, a cosmopolitan or are something you, like that. Are you saying Bajorans don't have hard liquor cocktails? Is that what you're saying? Well, it sounded like the drink she wanted was she wanted. She wasn't up to the Mad Men level of cocktail yet. Is that she wanted. Saying? She wanted something fun and and, and right. nice. Martinis are not fun. I like martinis. Martinis are delicious, yeah. but they are not. Uh, I don't think that's what she's looking for. But you're being nice. Poor girl. Well, on, <laughs> on that note, we're going to finish off. Okay. Uh, so, yes, we're almost, I think we're getting halfway through the season, right? This is TikToking towards the end. We may have a, an insane admiral uh, returning on our oh, on our excellent. podcast. Yeah, it, uh, you, coming up very soon. You've you've received a subspace. Message. I have received a subspace encrypted message from our <laughs> insane admiral. Uh, yes, he may be making an appearance very soon. He may be so watch him. out. We may have another explicit episode. <laughs> His, his transporter psychosis has not yet been cured. <laughs> so be t- he's, he's taking this slow sh- shuttlecraft from Ryza. He <laughs> can't be transported. <laughs> yeah, okay. So we'll, we'll be looking forward to that. Uh, otherwise, if you want to contact us, please do at Facebook, Twitter, or at uh, Gmail at rrds9podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, have a great week, and thanks for listening. <laughs>